tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Dear Patricia, Lucy's Last Fair, Unknown Mom, and Little Miss Panascoffee. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I am your other co-host, Robert. And this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Crystal. Yeah. We were discussing what to talk about at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. And basically, we came to the conclusion that uh, we just... Because uh, you... Well, maybe you should take it from here, because you got a nice, frosty, cold beverage and... We decided we just let that lead us wherever it will. Yeah, I, I opened the beer right next to it's a beer. Uh, I don't okay. always podcast and drink, but when I do, uh, this is a beer. It's actually from down the street, so it's from the Van Nuys. Uh, well, it's from McLeod Brewing Company, but they have like a sub brand called Van Nuys Brewing Company, and it's called you know mm-hmm. the other brewery beer brewery in Van Nuys because the big one is Anheuser-Busch. We have a big Anheuser-Busch factory in Van Nuys. So okay. uh, the other night uh, for the first time in many, 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 many months um, Dave and I went and uh, had some pizza and beer at this local brewery outside. We took the dog and I think it was the first meal we'd had um, outside on a just like at a restaurant since early november but i i am well aware that there are people who have not eaten at any even the patio outdoor situation um since the covid shutdown a year ago (laughs) so um yes you know props to you guys for for weathering the storm i was so happy to be at the brewery i almost cried (laughs) Because I didn't have to deal with the dishes after <laughs> or the cleanup or the, you know, any of it. And so I just got to relax and it was really, it was really nice. There was a lot of people out, but like we were all pretty far away from each other because it's a big area and there was like a little heater that came on, but the weather was really nice and there was dogs. And so we decided to bring home a six pack of, uh, the beer is called Van Ice and it's their take on like a Bud Light. <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking. And that's a little plug for a local brewery. So if they're listening, the DMs are open, by the way. Please. Um, and mm-hmm. you are fully vaccinated now. I so am. you can go outside. With I can go rel- outside. With little concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I've been fully vaccinated. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to brag about how I've been fully vaccinated for a while. Yeah, well. <laughs> but please. T- t- well, it's new to me. So, and, uh, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. I'm only 50% of our household. And um, Dave probably won't be able to get vaccinated uh, a couple more couple more weeks yet. So we're not at full household immunity quite yet. Just me. Oh, um, me see. and the pets, I guess. Fortunate, fortunate for me, I, um, I, I, I. Well, I, I I've I live in a household that's either fully vaccinated or they've already had it. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Uh. And so I've I similar to you. I went out on an adventure. Oh. Uh, last week. Where'd you go? Last week I I went to the. Um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with movie 
theaters in Carson City. Like the back of my hand, man. <laughs> okay. I, I, I went to the movies, not to the fan, the Fandango Theater. Um, uh-huh. You know, behind the casino Fandango. Yep. Instead, I, I, I went to support the Carson Stadium Stadium Cinema. Good on you. What'd you see? Well, I originally was going to buy a ticket for Wonder Woman 84. Uh-huh. Uh, because I heard, heard it was awful. Yep. But the uh, the projecting machine or whatever for that particular movie wasn't working, so they gave <laughs> me a free pass uh, oh. for the theater. Oh. And instead, I bought... Yeah. Yeah, to use at, at you know, to, to see it at a later point, which I may go see it tomorrow or Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Which actually would have been more exciting for me to mention when you asked me if I had any plans for the weekend. And I was like, mm, I don't know. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, I so but instead so instead I bought a ticket to see News of the World with Tom Hanks. Right. I'm not a Western guy, mm-hmm. but it was it was interesting enough that I, I walked out of the theater and I was not like upset that I had to. To, to have watched that movie instead of the other mm-hmm. one. Um, it, it was certainly more appealing to me than wa- watching the latest Crudes movie or whatever whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the thing is, is that I, 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 to, to support the theater, I bought a bunch of snacks. Okay. Also. Yeah. What are to, your, what are your yeah, snacks of that, choice at the theater? Well, I don't know. These aren't necessarily the snacks of choices so much as what was there and I was buying stuff, mm-hmm. you know, just just to, to, you know, to support this local business. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why and I'm drinking this beer. We were having dinner. And we're like, let's help them out. And we bought a bunch of beer to take home. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I got I, I bought a small bag of popcorn, mm-hmm. uh, a large uh, Sprite, mm-hmm. but then I had to have it change the root beer because the, the syrup. In the for the sprite was getting pretty thin, mm-hmm. um, so it had that like you know, and it starts to taste like just like baking soda and water. Mm, yeah, that's bad. Then I bought two things of candy. What did I buy? I think I bought like a Sour Patch Kids, ba- a small bag of Sour Patch Kids, mm-hmm. and a the other one. I don't know, was it M and M's? Sure. I think it was, it was. Yeah. Did you did you mix the M and M's with the popcorn to like get them a little soft? I've never tried to do anything like that before in my life, Chris. Does that sound uh, disgusting you, to you? I mean, I've never done it either, but just it's in the moment it sounded good right now. Does that sound unappealing? <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I for a moment I thought that was going to be a thing. You're going to tell me like, oh yeah, people do that all the time. I know they I do it with milk that. duds because they're full. They get oh. like melty caramelly with the popcorn. I know they do it with that, but I was just thinking M mm. and M's might be like good to mix in there. For the sweet salty hmm. situation, but the, I don't. But I don't know. I've never done that. It was just like an idea that I had. That's uh, an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I well, the thing is, is um, well, I'd probably be more inclined to mix the M and M's with the popcorn than I would the milk duds because if it did get melty, mm-hmm. I don't like melty sugar Too on sticky? my popcorn. Okay. Yeah, it's just uh, now M and M's since they got that hard candy mm-hmm. shell and they melt in your mouth yeah. not not in your hand or in the popcorn that's right. bag 
<laughs> that that might be a different story. I I could probably almost try that. I w- um, I would kill right now for a bag of like sour patch watermelon slices. I would literally murder a human for a bag of sour. Patch. I could just go to Seven Eleven, but like I think killing is the way to go here for that. The the sour patch watermelon killer. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just, gummy's yeah. yummy and I need it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you know, well, the great thing about like the Sour Patch Kids and the, and, and the candy and the popcorn and the soda was there wasn't any meat or dairy or olive oil involved in any of that. Oh, so. yeah. Are, are uh, M&M's vegan? You sure about that? Honestly, mm-hmm. like, you know, there, there may be some trace like... Mm-hmm milk product mm-hmm. but i mean let's let's be serious mm-hmm. here i mean it's sugar yeah <laughs> it's that's that's what that food counts as is it counts as sugar that's true I, yeah i was yeah <laughs> i mean like because i mean cause, I, in, in when i was watching some videos of an orthodox priest talking about, like he's talking about like the spirit of lent mm-hmm. and stuff yeah and you know, he recounted like when he was at a young man at a seminary and this priest from Kenya came over, you know, they were eat, eating during lunch or whatever, came over to his table and he had this small, small, like half piece of chicken breast. Mm-hmm. And, and the priest as a young man was scandalized. He's like, father, it's great Lent. What? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, that, totally. That's uh, yeah. And, and the, 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 the uh, the priest from Kenya is like, well, l- look at it, like how much it takes up of my plate. You know, it's it's like half a small ch- chicken breast. Mm. Now l- look around you at like everyone who's, because you can eat you can eat rice and you can eat um, you can eat shrimp during Great Lent, mm-hmm. and so like everyone else at other tables have three times the amount of rice mm-hmm. <laughs> and shrimp piled up on their plates. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, yeah, they're they're adhering to the letter content of you know the the, the uh, of of Lent, but they're not really adhering to the spirit mm-hmm. because when they're done with their meal, they're not going to be like reflecting on the 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 you know mm-hmm. the what what they're missing. They're going to just be like really tired because they just stuffed themselves with like three times the amount of food they normally eat, mm. and they're going to go to sleep. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I guess so. As a reminder to everyone who's listening right now, Robbie's in the observance period of Great Lent. Which is a Orthodox Christian tradition. Correct? Yes? Did I get that right? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I, I, other other denominations do Lent mm-hmm. of, of sorts, but I'm, I'm observing the Eastern Orthodox. Right, you're doing version, the Great so. Lent. You're doing the greatest Lent. Yeah. None of this run-of-the-mill, <laughs> only fish on Fridays bullshit for you. It's Great Lent, <laughs> right? Right. Okay. I, yeah, I have not. I have not had any, any meat since whenever it was I started this. This has been going on for a couple of weeks now. Good for you. Um, Good for you. Yeah, and I'm like, I've noticed like a couple of times I come home and like, man, I haven't. Like, like, I'm not, like, it's not so much that I'm hungry, uh-huh. like, that I'm, you know, starving or whatnot, but I'm, like, I, I feel a little unsatisfied because I haven't had, you know, mm. 
haven't had like a big piece of meat that I've just shoved in my mouth. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I guess like, I guess it's, that's like, it's serving its purpose. Cause then it makes me reflect on stuff. So, yeah. So I guess it's working. That's great. Um, <laughs> Whatever it's supposed to be. You were talking about right. shrimp and rice right now. And I would like literally murder for a bowl of shrimp and rice. Kill. It's one person down for the Sour Patch watermelon slices and another person down for the bowl of shrimp and rice. How many people do you think you could murder for a meal for every every time you're hungry before the 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 authorities eventually caught up with you oh um like probably not very many i'm not going to be discreet about it (laughs) okay (laughs) it's yeah i mean i mean you're not you're not putting a lot of uh uh, advanced planning and and care you're just sort of like i'm hungry gonna go find the first mofo i can to like knife in the back and take their food I mean, yeah, I think if you take that route, you will be caught. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not uh, not going to be that careful about it. Hey, you know what? This is a uh, this is a show about unsolved mysteries. And um, (laughs) I guess so. And that's a mystery that it's going to have to remain unsolved. How many how many people I'd plow through if they got in front of me in a bowl of shrimp and rice right now? Yes. Yeah. should we talk about the episode? This what is this season five, episode five? And the first segment is, you know, it it's something. It is. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it happened. Okay. It it did. Yep. Uh, now the the first <laughs> the first segment. It takes us back to the seventies and we learn about a woman, uh, God, what was her original name? Patricia Snyder. She had tier. several different. Yeah. Tier. She starts as tier. It doesn't matter really. So Patricia tier, mm-hmm. she, uh, was a, uh, young woman with, um, two, two children. Uh, I guess, she was married, but we don't see the husband depicted in any reenactments. He's just sort of mentioned after the fact in the voiceover narration. Mm-hmm. But we get a a reenactment in which her sister mm-hmm. is coming over to visit. Mm-hmm. And her sister relates suddenly f- uh, on the drive over feeling this intense dread. Mm-hmm. Like a feeling of dread. Mm-hmm. And th- that's where you would think that this segment is setting up like, oh, this is going to be a premonition segment right. where where she sent like like she sensed something. But no, it's just sort of this offhand comment that's not relevant to the rest of the rest of what's going on. So she arrives at Patricia's house and her kids are just sort of like playing unsupervised. One of them's out on the front porch mm-hmm. Uh, with the front door open and Mary immediately like her alarm goes off like this isn't how Patricia would normally be handling her kids she goes inside Patricia's daughter is up at the standing on something up at the kitchen sink play, you know playing playing with the uh, the sink there's Mary describes water being scattered all over the counter and the floor and what what I found amused what amused me was in this reenactment this little girl uh who's playing the daughter she's she's splat she's splashing this uh got the, like a full sink full of water and she's splashing this big 
boat toy around. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I saw it, all I could think about was that ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal. (laughs) It's not stuck anymore. Uh, Did you hear? As of like this afternoon. Yeah, no, I I, I saw that. That's great. Great news. Yeah. Uh, So so we've just time stamped this episode. Yeah. Uh, Mary go. Mary's like asking the kids, "Where's your mom?" And they're like, "She's asleep." And you're like, "That's um, that's that's often the sort of answer you get from little kids where you discover a deceased person." But mm-hmm. as it turns out, Pat, uh, she wasn't dead, but mm-hmm. she had suffered a brain aneurysm, so mm-hmm. she was uh, laying just laying on the, her bed. They took take her. She gets taken to the hospital. They they have to perform surgery. And it's it's one of those really risky sort of things. And as it turns out, the the risk was in fact real because uh, when she comes out of surgery, she does not like her memories are just like obliterated. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't recognize Mary, she doesn't recognize her kids. Um, Mary basically describe like describes how Pat has to be taught everything all over again and i guess this was too much for pat's husband who just was like i'm out of here and he takes the kids mm-hmm. which uh you know the thing is this is like pat doesn't even recognize the kids or, or as her own or know who they are i mean i guess it makes sense for them to be with the father right i yeah i think so in this circumstance it probably makes the most sense yeah yeah, yeah, it's, um, so, then we have this reenactment of when Pat meets this construction worker named Troy, mm-hmm. Troy Carlton. Yeah, Troy Carlton, good man. I feel like in the reenactment, they kind of subtly hint at this. I got the feeling that, like, Troy meeting Pat was actually set up by Mary's husband, because he was tired of, like, having to take care of Pat. <laughs> Maybe. That's that's what it felt like watching the reenactment. Like, you know, Troy, like, Troy, you know, he pulls up in his truck. He's like, hey, how's it going? And Mary's husband is like, oh, great, great. Hey, come over here. You should meet Pat. And mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's trying to set them up. Um, and apparently they develop some sort of rapport with each other uh, and uh, do end up getting married. But then... Pat starts doing this thing where she just wanders off. Uh, and this happens like several times. Yeah. She just like, and it's, it's not like she's like, I'm leaving. No, it's like, she just, she just walk. Yeah. She just wanders off. Wanders off. Like she leaves her, all of her, your, you know, her purse, wallet, money, keys. I mean, stuff that you like, if you're just, if you're like, like I'm out of here, you would take with you, but she just like leaves without it. Uh, she ends up in in one of these situations. She she ends up in Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. And so they have to come retrieve her. And then finally, she she wanders off for one uh, this one time and is not seen again. Yeah. So she disappeared and was recovered seven times in a yeah. year. And one of those times she was gone for three weeks. She's found across town. In this case, town is Houston, Texas. But, uh, you know, I wonder after the first, I don't know, two or three times it happens, you might want to get a minder for her. Because obviously, you know, Troy can't be there all day. 
He's got a job and stuff. Yeah. So at the very least, maybe you could put in like some sort of fence with a, a lockable gate. I realize that sounds horrible. Well, well but n- not necessarily. I mean, I do also understand this is um, in the early 70s. So it's not like you can like put a tracker on her or something. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it might. It, I don't I really don't know what the solution is other than maybe like giving her like a dog tag necklace or something just in case she gets confused and whoever finds her like you know just telling her she has to wear it at all times you know kind of that sort of thing uh so yeah Yeah. so she's i I don't know i just feel like they but maybe they did and they just didn't talk about it in the segment i just feel like after the second or third time of her just disappearing they would like i don't know it's uh you know i it's kind of like my dog uh the dog was like getting out of the yard a lot. And even mm-hmm. when um, we thought we had patched all the holes in the fence, he was still getting out. So I would be like in the house thinking the dog, I, cause I just let the dog out in the backyard. Like he's out there just hanging out. Then I'd get a call from a neighbor being like, I have your dog. He's little and he's brown. Can you come get your dog? And I'm be like, what the? He's just, I just let him in the backyard. What is he doing? And, you know, a couple of times it happened while I was at work. My point being is we fixed the hole in the fence. Yeah. But also the dog was wearing a collar so he could be recovered and I could be contacted. Yeah. And what I'm saying is a very, like, discreet like dog tag situation maybe some nice jewelry with her name in it oh like okay a, yeah that's right yeah in her address yeah, or know. something you know what i mean i just think after like yeah. the first couple so, of times it happens like i feel like the situation was really avoidable with her completely disappearing you know yeah right it, it, it did the the segment almost did kind of if just from what they omitted seemed to suggest like Troy and everyone else uh, involved was just like, gosh, she keeps getting out. Well, uh, maybe it won't happen anymore. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. That's just, it really seems like all of this was really preventable. Yes, it does. Um, um, though, yes. So of course, even if she did have that identification, it also depends on who finds her because, we do. We get some additional info that she, mm-hmm. she turned up what in San Diego mm-hmm. at a welfare office. Uh, yeah, yeah. And at that point, apparently, some of her memory had returned enough that she could kind of she could actually convey her identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the someone working at the you know whatever entity in San Diego was like, well, let's uh, let's try giving this aunt a call. Mm-hmm. And the aunt, I guess, wasn't aware she was missing or whatever. It was just like, no, no, that's not my niece. She's uh, she's in Houston. Right. <laughs> and I I don't know. It kind of seems almost as if to suggest that that person working for that entity didn't then put that phone down. It's like, well, I guess I don't know what to do now. <laughs> maybe maybe that's suggesting that they had a really heavy caseload i don't know uh yeah um, yeah i don't know either you know one of the things i was thinking about too is the the um segment features troy right and he's talking about raising these kids on his own because he they eventually got custody of her two kids from the previous marriage 
from uh, yeah Patricia's previous marriage. And so he raised the kids, and he's giving us this whole story of like, oh, I did this on my own. I've been a you know a husband and a father for all this time, and like, like all oh, this man, the heroics, you know, he just carried on, hoping that his wife would come home someday. Was that the impression that you got? Uh well, I mean, I didn't. I wouldn't say I. I thought of him as a hero. Uh, I mean. Like, but he seemed like an oak. He he gave the impression that he was like waiting for his wife to return, right? But but didn't he get married again? Yeah, he got remarried like four years later. (laughs) 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 Well, well, what what's what what in your mind, Crystal, would be the acceptable acceptable time limit to to wait in a situation like that? Um. I, you know, there isn't one. I'm saying, like, it could be six months for some people. It could be, you know, four years. It could be 20 years. I don't know what the acceptable time limit is. But it's kind of, it just, it's all dependent on the person. Yeah. But what, that's not what I'm taking umbrage with here. What I'm taking umbrage with is like his, his, oh, I've done all this stuff. And I'm like, you got, you had another wife. Like, you didn't do all of that on your own, you know? Oh, so you're more upset that, like, he's like, man, I raised these kids and stuff and doesn't even give any credit to 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 the other wife who probably, in fact, took on the lion's share, probably the lion's share of the. Yeah, I mean, this this guy wiped up as soon as he as soon as it wasn't tacky anymore to get remarried. And, you know, she took care of some that's not even their kids. (laughs) She's the hero in the story. Come on. Um, so you're awarding the MVP award to Troy's uh, second wife. Yes, Troy that's Carlton's right. wife. Yeah, second His wife. second wife. Okay. Yes, that's correct. Um, I uh, that that's fair. And also, unless you were like officially divorced, which you have to have both parties present to do. So unless he had it declared dead or they were officially divorced, he's um, a bigamist <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what would he have done if pat had come back would it have just been have been like well i guess I got two wives now uh yeah that double the trouble i guess i don't know <laughs> oh boy um so we get it we get like the most unsatisfying update <laughs> one of many that will be in this episode of unsatisfying updates in my opinion um, so what, what is it? Says, yeah. It says very like, it's just like one sentence and it was something like 33 years after her disappearance, Pat was found living in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that, that's it. No, no supplemental information. Nothing. Yeah, that's it. You don't Which, know. You're I not going to find out how she got to San Francisco, who she's living with. Is she Okay. None of that. It could be anything from she's living in a homeless shelter to like she married like to like she got her memory back and she married some like really great guy or whatever. And she was just she's living in a in a she's living in Pacific Heights and the big old Victorian. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, that's a nice fantasy to have, but we don't know because we don't get anything (laughs) besides that one sentence. Uh, the wiki, though, in its extra notes section, says it was one of the few mer- mer- mercing, 
few person. It was one of the few missing person uh, cases featured in which the person person is located alive and well. Um, you know the, the thing that's kind of wild about this, in comparison to a segment that's going to come later in the episode, is that this is a missing persons uh, case, mm-hmm. which I suppose that it is. Uh, it's but we've had amnesia cases before, so why wasn't that this? I can only imagine in the behind the seat behind the camera at, at uns- in the unsolved mysteries production mm-hmm. there's actually maybe a heated discussion mm. about what you know what technically meets the classification of amnesia mm-hmm. and someone's like look i mean this is she she knew she uh, look she she knows where she lives now it's just uh she doesn't remember anything about her past before no no shut up man you know they're just like yeah an, an intense argument and then they're just like someone's like look she's missing they're trying to find her let's just make it a missing persons mm. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then they they go they they resume working on the neck writing the next segment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what it was. Now it's a found person segment because they found her found. Yeah. Unsatisfyingly. So, yep. Uh, listen, okay. do you want to, do you want to take a little trip to the great white North? Crystal. Yeah. I, Robbie, I'm, I was so excited that we got a, a segment that like, takes place in Canada. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had segments that, that sort of, you know, they, they are tangentially Canada, Canada related, mm-hmm. like maybe so, the, someone ran off to there or something happened or so a character was dry. We had that one where the person was driving f- from Alaska down to the lower 48 yeah. through Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, this is a real Canada segment. And I'm going to try really hard not to alienate all of our Canadian listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how would you do that? Um, uh, well, probably the only success, success, truly sure way would be for me to just not speak. But then that would make <laughs> podcasting very difficult. I'll just, I'll just try. I'll just, I'll preface this whole segment by saying that we love our Canadian listeners. Thank you for listening to us. Um, uh, please feel free to r- write us and tell us uh, about you know what you like about the show. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so this takes place in was it the town of Ban- Banff? Banff. 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 It's just Banff. Banff. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty popular tourist destination in Canada. Yeah, now Alberta, Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, this is an early '90s uh, segment, and it follows a woman named Lucy Tor Tormill. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a she was a young woman in her early 20s who moved to the town to just I guess start a new life. Yeah, right? just she had to start over. <clears throat> Mysterious past. Got to wipe the slate clean. Yeah. Yeah, so she she gets a job as a as a sort of a proto Uber driver yeah, or we, a proto Lyft. There used to be these things called taxis, and then <laughs> um, taxi companies, and you would call them when you were drunk. 
they would. Yeah, you would be like three, 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 thirty-three, thirty-three, Reno Sparks Cab Company, and you could remember <laughs> that when you were drunk and call a cab. <laughs> what the number was. I uh, I don't know if I want to proceed with suggesting that that is that's information that comes from firsthand experience because <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot. I think I but, just uh, I think I just revealed that it was like okay. Um, yeah, I mean you gotta like I I need to talk about Reno Sparks um, Cab Company for a second because their ads were brilliant because here i am i don't know 15 years out of after the fact and i can still remember the number because of their jingle to get a safe <laughs> ride home from the bar so um if you're if you know it's it's a uh, 775 if you remember that but it was 333 reno sparks cab company <laughs> And you could always remember that and get yourself a ride home. I guess you probably don't need to if you're using Uber and Lyft and all that stuff. But, you know, listen, millennials, we didn't use, back when I was cutting my teeth drinking, we didn't have all that stuff. So here are your options. You could drive home drunk, bad, don't do that. Or you could dial up Lucy Turmel, get yourself a safe ride home. I think what more than anything, what this podcast has shown is that. You may be able to move out of Reno, but you can never get the Reno out of you. Because between this taxi cab jingle and the burrito song. Oh, yeah, the super burrito song? Well, super I mean, there's... Super burrito song. Burritos in the morning, burritos at night. Burritos at noon, time with a delight. Super burrito, super burrito, super burrito. We do it right. Anytime is a good time for the fresh taste of Super Burrito. Super Burrito for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Huge burritos and a whole menu of delicious and authentic Mexican food. Super Burrito in Reno on Plum Lane and in Sparks on Nugget Avenue. Listen, I local local advertisements are true gems. And I, I really think in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, the Reno Sparks Carson City corner of Nevada really had some true gems uh, that you could catch on late night television. Uh, so. Yeah. Do you remember I the? Agree. Uh, I agree. Do you remember the uh, the store? You'll go bananas, and it was over by the Costco on Plum Lane. This is very specific geography, and I am sorry, but I need to know if you remember this. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I do not remember a Yogo Bananas. Yeah, well, there was. It was, near, it was yeah, it was like a discount store. It was like a, a dollar store almost, and it was the paint. The building was all black, and then it had a yellow sign that said Yogo Bananas, and it was over by the Costco over on Plum Lane in Reno. And the okay. and the commercial, uh, it, despite the fact that the name of the company was Yogo Bananas, it was the most monotone advertisement so it was just somebody being like we've got hair conditioner for two dollars we've got yo-yos for 50 cents you'll go bananas <laughs> like it, it was like a, it was like a mr show sketch but it wasn't it was like a real commercial 
<laughs> I know precisely why 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 you mentioned. Yeah, that is that that is literally the sort of thing that sketch they would have on Mr. Show. Like, here's an idea. It's a store with a crazy name. Yeah. But they don't. But they don't go crazy in the advertisement. Yeah, I mean, it brilliant. Was, yeah, I mean, it was a real uh, cockering warehouse kind of situation with the old gum bananas. <laughs> If you know what I mean. Were we talking about cab drivers in Canada? What are we doing? We got to get. Sorry, I I drove okay, us off the road here. We got to get back on the highway to Alberta. Yes. So uh, Lucy was was working as a cab driver, um, and then there was a night where she was talking with another cab driver who was parking uh, uh, next to her, mm. and as they were talking, three people got into her cab: two women and a guy. Mm-hmm. And so their their conversation was cut short. She called in to let let the, the company know where she was going. Mm-hmm. Again, this is before the really before the internet and smartphones and all that. Uh, she drives off, and basically a short time later, um, the the driver that that she was talking with, like she she hadn't been heard from what like 20 about 20 minutes later mm-hmm. so he starts looking for her mm-hmm. and he spots her cab but yeah. it's being driven by someone else shit so he chases her listen and we get like <laughs> yes we get this chase this car chase mm. and it's interesting because for a car chase where the cars clearly aren't going particularly fast mm-hmm. it's actually kind of gripping yeah, no, they're um, Tokyo drifting all over the place, and they're Crown Vicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they yeah, they are like total. You know, it, it is, it is. Yeah, it's, it's pure Vin Diesel type action. Mm-hmm. Um, they finally, the cab driver, he, he, the person he's chasing, makes the mistake of going somewhere where there's no outlet. And so the cab driver has him blocked in. Yeah. The guy actually bolts from the cab and runs off into the woods. Yeah. Which, which I'm, I guess is, is, you know, an option that's available if you live in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, so then like the, we have, we get the law enforcement talking about, uh, the constable of the, the town discusses how they were, uh, yeah, because shortly there, fr- uh, a short distance from where her cab was abandoned, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, they found her body. Mm. She had been murdered, mm. and you know the constables discussing the specifics. Like they're they're not sure, you know, who, like who it was. What was it the last fare she had, or did she drop them off and someone else got in her cab? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was blood that was inside the cab that was determined not to be hers, uh, through, you know, science test. Um, so they, they, they're thinking that somehow the guy cut himself and was bleeding all over a cab when he was driving it. Uh, later on, uh, we get a reenactment. The constable plays himself in the reenactment of the time when he shows, shows up to someone's house and the woman like points somewhere and there's a, a bloody knife. Uh, he discusses how she had had like about a hundred dollars and in fares um, mm-hmm. on her. Yeah. That apparently that's uh, 
uh, that had been stolen. So they're thinking, okay, maybe this was uh, a robbery. Uh, this, this was meant as, you know, she was being, she was killed for the money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, we, we, you know, that's before the update. That's where kind of where the segment ends. Like, you know, this is, unfortunately we, we, you know, we don't know who it was and so forth. And this is all being said. And in, in all of this is all, all the interviews are being said in Canadian accents. It, that's true. It's I, in Canada. And, and I want to point something out yeah. before we go too far down the road here is that Larry Londro was the other cab driver that pursued and yeah. one of the things I noticed we haven't gotten a ton of lately in reenactments is people who are actually the 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 beauty of unsolved mysteries to this point has been uh, having the real people that were involved reenact right. the case, and there just hasn't been a ton of that for whatever reason, and that's fine. But I believe it was Larry Landro who they filmed in the chase. I mean, he wasn't doing the actual stunt driving that was going on clearly driving but no but they filmed in, him in the car in the interiors in the car he's uh yeah 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 i believe you are correct crystal and i think La- La- yes. listen i want to like put respect on larry's name because he said not today and he ran that other cab down and blocked them in and i that's pretty heroic because he didn't know what was up but he just knew he had to like put a stop to it you know i think that's yeah, that- cool as hell go ahead larry so so he gets the MVP for this this segment. Yeah, who got the MVP the know, last one? Yeah. Oh, uh, what, uh Car- Carlton's <laughs> the, second yeah. wife. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's who does who isn't interviewed, isn't portrayed, whose name isn't mentioned. No, but you you know <laughs> you who, know what her contribution yeah. was. Come on now, she raised them kids. Yeah. She raised yeah. them kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's uh. We, we we subsequently get an update and it's not as unsatisfying as the previous update but it's pretty minimalistic clearly in that vein of it wasn't unsolved mysteries that figured it, figured this out but apparently through blood testing and whatnot they fi- they found the guy they did it and yep he got sent to prison he was in prison. And he spent, he did whatever amount of time that he was required to in prison. And yeah, he's, uh, Unsolved Mysteries doesn't tell us. Parole. They're just like, he was arrested and he served his time. And yeah. I'm, that's, I would like to know, because usually they're more specific. They're like, he was arrested in this year and then he served his time. Um, <laughs> I have, I do know because I'm looking at the wiki how long he spent in prison. Would you like to wager a guess? Uh, I feel like because the uni- universe was unfair, it wasn't very long. S- seven years? Mm, no, it, it was a bit more than that. So. Oh, how long was it? 19 years. So he was released uh, in 2011 on parole. Okay. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's well. like he did murder a woman over $100, but... Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not. Meanwhile, that guy from season one. <laughs> that stole, stole a pepperoni is like still in jail. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if you're going to murder someone, go to Canada. Um, Don't, don't steal things in Texas. And if you're going to murder someone, go to Canada, I guess is the. 
Yeah. Lesson learned. Lesson there. Um, listen, Robbie, I want to talk about some real wild shit, and that's going to involve Georgia from Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, how long were you working on that? Uh, just now, I just made it up. I just noticed that it was Georgia from Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, let's talk about Georgia from Georgia. Let's talk about Georgia from Georgia. Um, listen, sh- this woman, okay? She meets, there's a lady, but really this is the story of a man. It's incidentally the story of a lady, but it's mostly the story of a man. And that man is Daryl Tacey. And Daryl... Uh, he's going to take us on a long and twisted tale. Uh, the type of segment that this is introduced as is Lost Loves. Mm-hmm. Which, huh? Which, <laughs> especially like, yeah, I, because, and it gets confusing because very early on we got like, we got motorcycle gangs and we got, you know, mm-hmm. like, like intimidation, and this is like, oh, this feels more like a crime, yeah, you know, sort of a crime segment. Yeah, there's and like questions you, about identity, and is she telling the truth? And if and you paid it, and if you paid attention to the, um, to to the to the sort of the transition from the from the previous segment mm-hmm. to this one, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Um, the, when, when, when he, when he, when it's Robert Stack, he's giving, giving a, uh, uh, you know, like what, what do you say right before the commercial break to like keep you around? It's like coming up next, uh, man, you know, it was basically like, it was like this, this man is looking for, you know, the family of, uh, a deceased woman to, to potentially solve a medical mystery. Yeah, so, again, this is a lost love segment. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's just get into this shit. Um, okay. So, Georgia Boyd, this is what she tells Daryl. Daryl, what a freaking... What a freaking name. Daryl. It's not Daryl. It's not Harold. It's Daryl. It's... Uh- <laughs> It is not the best amalgamation of names you could you could think of. Uh, it I sure isn't. That. So so Georgia is um, tells Daryl that she her dad was a Cherokee Indian and she'd grown up on the reservation in North Carolina. And this comes up a couple of times to the point of it being kind of weird that it gets mentioned so much. But whatever. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she tells Daryl that she also sometimes goes by the name Jerry with a J. And that's going to come up later, too. So just keep that in mind. Uh, so this deal with Georgia is she's she's 21 and she works as a go-go dancer in Augusta. But I feel like that's just a really nice way of saying stripper. Um, and then she she had 20. OK, this is also important. She had two daughters already from her first marriage. So she's 20. She's 21. OK, mm-hmm. Um. She lived with this mysterious older woman that she called Granny, although this she was not related to this woman. Um, but then within about two weeks of meeting, great idea, guys. Uh, the whole family moves in, except for Granny, moves in with Daryl. And um, and very quickly, Daryl starts to notice that, you know, George is always kind of like looking over her shoulder and 
worried about this and that. And he tries to, he tries to get answers out of her, but she's just like, well, in time, I'll tell you what's going on. Um, you know, just some really, really crazy shit. Like she, she would always leave the the blind shut. Um, I, if I recall correctly from the segment, like she taped over like the windows with like tinfoil or something, but maybe that's not correct. Um, mm. I guess she was really worried about her. Ex-husband. She she did she covered the windows in in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So there's also some t- and the strangest thing about all of this story is that it all comes from Daryl's point of view. So at this point in the story, I'm like, okay, like why aren't we hearing from anyone else? Where's Granny? Where's like another family member or anything? But I guess that's why we're having a lost love segment. Uh, so apparently Georgia was also being harassed. Like somebody would come and like n- when Daryl wasn't home would like come and knock on the windows and like whisper into the whatever. Um, and Georgia was just really freaking out. And then one night, uh, you know, Daryl goes to pick her up at work and uh there's she's talking to a couple of guys and then um she says okay she just like really wanted to like get away from them (laughs) but she didn't yeah but she tells daryl eventually that they were the devil's disciples so she tells daryl that when she lived in atlanta that she used to run with them um and that and that they wanted to take her back to the atlanta to her husband i don't really know she just they wanted to take her back. The problem is George is really not telling Daryl any pertinent information here. <laughs> right, right. It's it's difficult to convey what's go. You know what what exactly is going on with her because she she never told Daryl no, about it she either. Didn't. Uh, so later that same night when they when they saw the guys with the suits and stuff at the club, uh, a van with the gang members that totally exists. Miss Gang uh, starts chasing Daryl and Georgia and, um, uh, you know, in the reenactment, it shows that they're being chased by this white van and then eventually a cop car pulls up to the scene and the van speeds off and then Daryl pulls over and immediately what Daryl or the guy playing Daryl in the reenactment does is get out of his car and run over to the cop car and points at the van like those those guys were chasing us. I want to live in where mm-hmm. Daryl's world where you come running at a cop doesn't end with you getting <laughs> killed. Because the cop from the cop's point of view, he saw some kind of car chase. He caught the rabbit that he could, right, which was Daryl in Georgia, pulled them over with his right. lights flashing. That's as far as the cop knows, he's going to be making an arrest or at least writing a ticket. And Daryl goes flying yeah. out of his car. I'm like, this is this is cop tip number one. Do not ever do this. And I don't care if you're a white man or not. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. I yeah. don't care if you think you're in the right and you didn't do anything wrong, whatever. I was just talking to my mom about this. Do not do that. Don't do that. You wait for the cop to approach your car. Like, I'm, I'm just telling y'all, don't do that shit. Spook a cop. That could be the end of it. Anyways, I thought that was pretty wild that that's how they portrayed it in Unsolved Mysteries. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anyway. uh, I I thought it was interesting that this motorcycle gang is chasing them in a van. Yeah, why weren't Uh, they on motorcycles? I I can only think that, like, maybe the motorcycles are more for, like, 
ceremonial purposes. <laughs> and <laughs> like you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, like 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 they 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 use it, you know, when they do their their big rides and stuff. It's like, you know, in in a number of different professions, like say the military, you have your like dress uniform, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, but you don't you don't wear that out on the battlefield. No, of course not. You, no. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so the the yeah. So the the motorcycles are their dress vehicle, right. and when they're doing business, they drive around in a van. Yeah, <laughs> checks out. Totally makes sense. Uh, I yeah. I was wondering because it seems like they could have been more of effective intimidators if they had all been on their bikes and like surrounded Daryl and George's car or something. But then I'm like, well, if their yeah. plan is to kidnap Georgia. You can't just tie somebody's hands and then throw them on the... I mean, you could throw them over, like, on a horse. Just bind right. them up and toss them over the back of your motorcycle. But they'll probably fall off. You're, you're, you're speaking from many hours of playing Red Dead Redemption, I am. <laughs> but I just... Just a motorcycle uh, goes a lot faster than a horse. So you do have to hold on. Yes. And, uh... You know, it doesn't. You can't really kidnap somebody on a motorcycle. It just doesn't seem like the best vehicle for that. Maybe, but if you want to intimidate someone, I think like a like a gang of motorcyclists is probably the way to do it. Okay. Uh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> I like the idea of ceremonial motorcycle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they, they they get married and they move across the country. Mm-hmm. Right? They move to, to Fort see- Ord out here in California. Yeah. Well, how, how far away is that from you? I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I think I, it's in Northern California. In a, I'm not, I'm not you sure. You said it in, in, in such a way as that I thought like maybe it was familiar to you or, or whatnot. Um, well, I just I like yeah. the name Fort Ord. It's, it feels very made right. Up. Named after, named after the Civil War general Edward Ord. Oh, great! <laughs> I just thought it was a silly word, Ord. Fort Ord. Fort Ord. Fort Ord. O R D. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say when I when I look at look look through my Atlas of the American Civil War book, mm. and, as you do, um, yeah. As, as, as I, well, as uh, I know you definitely yeah. do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I'm, I'm reading about the Appomattox campaign, mm-hmm. uh, cause he, he commanded the army union army of the James. So he was part of the, uh, all the stuff of chasing down the Lee's retreating army and, and trapping it. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> yeah, very good. But, but the thing is, 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 is his name sticks out so much just cause it's like, you know, you, like you see all these other generals, you know, with like normal looking names, and then you just see Ord. It's yeah, like, it feels. I've very... heard about you before before this page, and now you're. Yeah, it feels yeah. <laughs> it feels very like Germanic, like Ord, Colonel Ord, or General. Yeah, was it General? You perhaps. said you said General, right? That's what you said. Yeah, okay. yeah, General. Yeah. Um. Well, listen. Before, yeah. Did you already say before they get to Fort Ord that uh? Uh, Daryl and Georgia get married um, mm-hmm. and then very quickly after that Georgia's pregnant again 
And then yeah. uh, during that time, someone begins harassing again, harassing Georgia again, um, while Daryl isn't home. So this was going on in Georgia, and now it's going on in California. Um, and then one time, now listen to this point. I am very dubious about this whole situation because it really seems to me like Daryl got in over on his head and some things here. And yeah, one of those things could be that Georgia is not uh, mentally stable is one of the things I considered or that she mm-hmm. is very involved with maybe organized crime. Either way, Daryl doesn't know a goddamn thing. So, uh, I was very dubious about this whole like harassment situation and Daryl uh, was home one time actually when it happens. And yeah, one of the, uh, one of the times when he comes home with Georgia, a very pregnant Georgia at this point. Yeah. Um, they, uh, so they have, well, they live on base or something cause the military police comes to the house. But then they don't find right. any, find anyone. And a couple of days later, they come home to a message on the back door saying, "I'll get you, Jet." Get you, Jet. Now, yeah. Daryl is like, okay, did they mean Jerry and just spell it wrong? Because sometimes Georgia goes by Jerry. Right. You. That's that's where that's where it connects possibly connects in. Uh. I mean, well, and honestly, Georgia probably has so many <laughs> names and nicknames by this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, so here's what happens. Georgia f- eventually gives birth to their first son. So she already has the two kids from before and she now has another son, but she's um, having some complications from that. So uh, Daryl gets an honorable discharge from the uh, whatever branch of the military he was in, and they move back to Daryl's hometown in Michigan. And um, they have another child. And then after that, Georgia starts getting these really terrible headaches. And she, uh, and there's a really sad part of the reenactment where she's just thrashing around in bed, and Daryl eventually takes her to the emergency room. I called him Daryl mm-hmm. because that's a normal name. It's Daryl. <laughs> Daryl. Yeah. Uh, so she she's she is in a coma at that point, and I guess she had had an aneurysm. And Daryl, you know, lets us know that the doctors gave gave him the option to take her off life support, but it doesn't really matter because she dies anyway. So she dies at the age of twenty two, having four young children. Um, wow. Now, now we get to the lost loves portion of this situation because Daryl, I don't know either because he didn't want to press Georgia or Georgia wouldn't say Daryl married a woman he didn't know very well. And so he is trying to find her family, at least to let them know that Georgia has passed away and that there are these grandchildren or maybe niece, nieces and nephews that they should know about. Um, and that's why he's on Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, so mm-hmm. he doesn't even, he doesn't even know where to start. And I think he tried c- figuring out, um, maybe some relationship back on the reservation in North Carolina, but there's no record of anyone named with her name. Um, so he quickly figures out that that's kind of not probably what her name was. <laughs> to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, then he, Wanted to air a picture of Georgia for 24 hours, asking with any information to contact him. And then for some reason, the the TV station didn't really do anything with that. 
Um, and the, uh, you know, the Augusta police back in Georgia were in George, the state of Georgia were also really kind of like, just drop it. Like, don't ask questions about this. Um, which seems to add some kind of conspiratorial element there that I just don't think is there. I think they just don't care. I think that's what it came down to. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not part of a conspiracy. It's just apathy. Mm-hmm. But unsolved mysteries okay. cares. So... <laughs> Here we all are. Right. Uh, so there is an update, actually, after the segment airs. And it's not just a white text u- update. It's a live video one. And um, they find out that George's real name was Edith Geraldine Johns Moore and that her family lived in Savannah, not Augusta, Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, excuse me, that beer really hit. This nice. is the part that blew my mind. So the part of the family that they reunite with is George's first husband, who by all intents and purposes seems like a really just nice guy. And also yeah. all this disappearance stuff <laughs> happened back in like the late seventies. So all the children are grown now, by the way, because this is happening. Right. The update is happening in the early nineties. Um, so all the, the four kids that Daryl had, uh, custody of got to meet the first husband and then that's when they learned that prior to even those four children there were two more children (laughs) Rhonda and Eugene um but we don't actually have any more any more information from this update because these aren't these are just her other other kids and her ex-husband who seems like a nice guy he didn't seem like he was like involved in any of the harassment stuff um yeah. Otherwise, why would he expose himself this way? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it would be a strange move on his part. It yes. would be a strange move. And um, yeah, but we still don't know about our parents or any s- siblings or anything. So in, in that it was a nice reunion, it wasn't like it just raised more questions than it answered. Like this woman died at the age of 22, which makes me think she wasn't really 22. Be- and she had mm-hmm. six kids. That means she would have been, like, pregnant every other year since she could start having children. Like, none of this really adds up. (laughs) Honestly, I have no idea what the story... What's going on at this point? Like, why, why are the why? Why is a motorcycle gang chasing after a woman? I don't... Well, they... You don't get to know. Because she wasn't going to tell anything. Well... Because Georgia but, boy but died a mystery. Posi- yeah. But the positive thing is, and I guess from Daryl's point of view, is that uh, the two the two daughters that she, she brought with her mm. uh, that he ended up raising, they got to reconnect with their biolo- all these biological relatives they had. Mm-hmm. And he, he said something like, you know, that he felt like that was... That was what he had to accomplish to mm-hmm. make sure that they had they were able to do that. Well, case closed, I guess, on that. Yes. <laughs> but not really. Like, usually, I don't know, that was just a really deeply unsatisfying reunion, even though it was, there's just so many more questions <laughs> about the life of Georgia <laughs> well, Boyd that well, yeah. <laughs> aren't, aren't going to be answered, I guess. Uh well, we've got to we've got one quickie thing at the end of this episode. 
It's a Florida situation. Um, How shocking. Yeah. So Lake Panasofsky, Lake Panasonic Bridge in Florida. Uh, Two teens are walking along and then they look down and see into the like kind of murky swamp water um, that there was a dead body. And she, she, uh, as it was to be determined, was in her late teens, early 20s. She didn't have any idea on her or anything. Uh, she had been murdered. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into the details of that. You guys can watch the segment. I just don't feel the need to talk about that. And um, the police don't have, uh, they didn't have any idea as to who she was or who her killer was. Um so here's where Unsolved Mystery stepped in. Again, this is a case that starts in the early 70s. It seems like everything besides Lucy Tremell were things that started in, like, 1971. And then were, and then were basically, like, cold cases 30 years after, or 20-some-odd years after the fact, when Unsolved yeah. Mysteries is getting to them. That's kind of weird, right? That they did well, that? I mean, I guess, like, maybe it's just you... you like when when you're when you're looking through you know looking for these unsolved cases and stuff um, that that need a second look or whatnot maybe it's you know it's stuff that like it, it just it's it's automatically going to be stuff from like a couple of decades before and so because mm-hmm. unsolved mysteries aired in the late 80s early 90s they're they're churning up all this stuff from like the 70s mm-hmm. so I and you know I haven't watched that. Other than the first episode, I haven't watched that new Unsolved Mysteries. But mm. I'm willing to guess that, like, a lot of the unsolved stuff, murders and and whatnot that they're dealing with, I'm willing to bet quite a few of those are coming from the 90s. Um, like, it's, it's a no. 20-year increment. Maybe. So, no? I don't know. I didn't watch it either, dude. <laughs> Well, yeah, I know. And so well, I, I thought you were about to say like, no, Robbie, I've been watching it. No, I just you haven't. I did watch one episode and it was about the tsunami. It was about Fukushima in mm-hmm. Japan, the big earthquake and then that whole situation. And it was ostensibly a ghost story, but it was also just an awful documentary about. I mean, not that the quality was bad, but it was just <laughs> super depressing about um, the town of Fukushima and, uh, yeah, it was yeah. really traumatic anyway. So I did watch that, but that was fairly recent, right? That was in the two thousands. They were talking about that. Right. But, but, but for like, you know, unsolved murders and whatnot. Yeah. Know. I don't, I didn't. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway, <laughs> Lake Panasonic, Panas, Panas little miss Panas is what Jane Doe ends up being called. And uh, there's uh, some forensic evidence. Uh, so here's the thing. She gets buried in a Jane Doe plot. And then 10 years later, um, Sheriff Jamie Adams, he just couldn't let this one lie. And so he has the woman's body exhumed uh, under court order. And then a forensic anthropologist, yay, anthropologist, uh, <laughs> investigates it. And we get to see uh, the doctor showing us her bones. <laughs> Which I'm like, mm, didn't probably need to see her actual remains, if that's what this is. But. Well, okay, yeah. Cool. I guess. 
they do try to use the actual stuff from the case. So, uh, and and she, uh, little Miss Panascoffi had had some orthopedic surgery in her right ankle, and it was really specific, and they go into all of that, but they were like, okay, this is one way we could identify her. Um, there was also, they described the dental work she had had done, trying to figure out who she is. Um, the next step is to go to a forensic artist, and the forensic artist you know, does some pictures based on, like, how much uh, flesh depth there is versus um, bone. I don't know. It just kind of seems like weird yeah. weird guesswork based on x-rays. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I gathered out of it. Uh, the most I gathered out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it seems like a really creative field to be in. I don't know how much of it was that scientific, but... Um, you know, so they take the sketches out and, and Sheriff Adams is trying to, you know, find out if anyone knows her. And they had some estimates about, you know, how tall she was and how much she'd weighed and she'd been alive and how old she was as well. But, um, uh, the point is they're trying to identify the woman because then they're also trying to identify the killer. And so I guess the ask here is for anyone who knows who this woman may have been, to step forward and um i don't we didn't get an update did we on that one no, no i don't that think was so just cut to commercial on that one. Oh. um what i kind of what stuck out to me is like when referring to her instead of referring to her as just like a jane doe mm-hmm. they called her little miss panasofsky yeah is, isn't that like I don't know about you, but I felt a little uncomfortable with that. Um, yeah, it kind of makes it seem like she was participating in some kind of pageant. <laughs> pageant or something, yes. It's it's a it's a, just a little too light in a, a name for to, to describe someone who was who was murdered. Yeah. Uh well, Robbie, we're here. We've made it to the end of another episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, please give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, visit us. Uh, write to us at reenactedpod at gmail dot com. Uh, we're at reenactedpod on Twitter. There's a, a reenacted fans group uh, on Facebook. Uh, tell your friends. Make them tell their friends. Mm-hmm. And if you get enough people in your downline, I mean, you'll be collecting big bucks soon, I'm sure. Hmm. That sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, Robbie, are you trying to Medford hustle our listeners? <laughs> it's not a scam, Christo. It's multi-level marketing. <laughs> Yes, I am turning our podcast into an MMO. <laughs> um, well, I, I finished my beer just now while you were saying all that stuff. So I guess it's time if you want to do the thing. For every mystery. Uh, no, jo- uh, join us next week for another edition of Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> <laughs>